Hello and welcome back to Management Cast, where some of the brightest minds in the business world explain the commercial concepts shaping industry today. We're speaking again this week to Jerker Ley, a professor of leadership and organizational behavior at IMD. We've been discussing failure. Good to have you here again, Jerker. Great to be here again. Thank you, Jonjo. So, Jerker, in episode two, we talked about failure as an emotional construct. We talked about stigma, how that can become a roadblock. We talked about organizations with strong failure tolerant cultures and how fear fundamentally undermines so much of our ability to work productively in the workplace. So, Jerka, I want to talk about adapting, innovating, and learning from failure in this episode. So, I'll just start with a, a pretty broad question about failure when it occurs and how to deal with it in that first moment. And I'd like to split this off between the approach of leaders within an organization and those in non-leadership positions. Let's start with the leaders. You know, what's your advice? What does your research show is the best approach for leaders? The first set of steps or these steps they need to be taking when a failure occurs in their team or in their organization. I would like to emphasize, right, leaders really play a visible, important role in the whole process. I think I love that, Zhangzhou, you said, let's start with leaders. And in particular, when faced with failures, I think leaders really need to think about how we are going to actually make a sense of the situation accurately. Because I think this is fundamentally is going to frame what actual responses and what decision we're going to actually make. So in that way, it's right. That's in last episode, we talk about why this paradigm shift is important. It is, you know, some failures can be a potential threat. And some failures maybe have a life-threatening consequences. But regardless, I think the leaders, the first, how to define the problems, the issue, at hand is very important. So which means that uh, specifically, I think leaders don't forget that even is a negative event, potentially actually life-threatening or, you know, a shock. But think about it. This is a potential, a gold moment for us to do something differently and to do things better. But also, I think for leaders, it's very important, uh, you know, to really engage your people. I think that's actually very important because eventually I think uh, I think the society or corporate sometimes have that uh, tendency say, wow, we look for heroes or leaders tend to adopt that role of I'm going to solve this and I'm going to give the order. But I think it's really fundamentally a team sport. So engage, you know, your own people and asking questions is also important. Otherwise, you know, if you, you can say that, well, I'm just going to handpick a few people to come up with solutions, that's not necessarily the best approach. And uh, if we actually think about there's so many actually amazing examples, how we solve impossible problems, and usually it's so-called the collective intelligence. And the one thing, you know, I can think of is like the famous Tiger team when actually NASA have to deal with this call, Houston, we got a problem. And the reason actually 
I think the leader not only play a role, but also I think the important thing is that、uh, the leader actually can mobilize a group of、uh, you know talented scientists and with very diverse background to really tackle the problem. So I think that's very important. And the point is also ensure that when you engage by asking questions rather than by giving the orders. This fundamentally, I think, in some of my research, particularly years of work with、uh, commercial aviation pilots and also Air Force commanders, and this the pattern is so clear that、uh, when leaders such as captains engage in so-called humble inquiries, that's when actually people can really come forward with some most of the. You know, relevant and creative ideas, even though it's in the very, in the very we call the high consequence situation. I think a lot of organizations still can benefit from all this. And the last thing is that don't shoot the messenger. We actually know that, <laughs> but I think、uh, that's related to what we discussed. You know, in last episode, is about you know how to deal with a little bit of the. Attribution bias and how to really dismantle the blaming culture because the time that we blame the messenger, I think that that's already a strong signal to do the very opposite of what we are exploring here. And I'd like to bounce off that. You know, I, I wanted to ask you about those in non-leadership positions, but specifically, you're talking there about not shooting the messenger. Yeah, conversely. How should people in non-leadership positions be approaching failure? But also, how do you advise? How do you think organizations, teams, should be dealing with failure when it's not surfacing? And I'm thinking of the examples where perhaps it's a failure that you're aware of, that perhaps you're not responsible for, perhaps wasn't your fault, but that you know you feel needs to be addressed. Yeah, this is a、uh, so important, right? I think luckily some organizations actually are very intentional and uh, almost uh, become good at it. I th- I would say that, that even though hospitals systems, we still believe that oh, medical errors contributed to a lot of、uh, you know losses of human lives. But if actually we actually really think about the practice, the aim to implement, I think it's a good practice. And for example, particularly, I think they start to have this actual reporting system, and、uh, I think that's one intentional channel for us to do. And sometimes the reporting system in organizations such as a hospital may not work so well. It's not because of the system itself does not work, or it's not that particular practice does not work. It's sometimes it's also. Other component is not there, particularly I think in terms of the trust and the human connection. So my actually suggesting is that、uh, that's actually again I think like like last episode that we talk about the the software and the hardware. I would still recommend that leaders and teams building formal structure there, so people know that there is a some. Protocols and the channels they can surface all the failure or mistakes, either is themselves or others. By the way, in the hospital, usually is that、uh, is a anomalous actually reporting system. That's the hardware, but it's also there is a software part. Is that I think that every daily interaction and the building that、uh, trust. So. The trusting and the safe environment was never built overnight. 
So that's why on a daily basis, every interaction between the leaders and other team members, or between different team members. Those are actually golden moment to build another real meaningful human interaction and the connection, and that's when things actually start to weather, such as when some mistake occurred, occurred, or we are faced with a failure, and the people are more willing to come forward. And the one, you know, recommendation is also particularly for leaders is that make yourself available. Actually, indeed, in the very first paper or projects I have、uh, published and、uh, was with actually Adam Grant and、uh, Dave Hoffman, actually we found out that、uh, those go-to persons, so-called expert or leader, especially expert in the leading position, people go there not because of their expertise, and usually it's really those who are most accessible. Are the actually the go-to person, and so in other words, when I actually made a mistake, yes, of course I need advice. I would still go to the person I trust the most to confess my mistake and failure, rather than I go to someone who I know that who is going to give me brilliant advice, but I don't feel comfortable with. And also, there is ongoing projects we are actually talking about how to disclosing your self-made. Mistakes or failure, and the same thing. When I actually trust my subordinate, and、uh, I actually feel more likely to disclose my mistakes and failure, and also we measured the emotional reaction. We also feel less stressful as well. So, in the way that、uh, there will never be a silver bullet. For all this, I think every pieces need to work together. So, leader, please, you know, make sure that you welcome the messenger and make sure that you ask question. Make sure that you create a safe place. But also for the team, it's very important that on a daily basis, adopt that learning mindset and be there to build that trust and the meaningful interaction with your colleagues. And be there for your colleague when you actually realize they need the help and the support. Can you give any specific examples of companies that have done this well? Companies either in your data sets or companies specifically that you've been working with,、uh, leaders you've worked with that have been able to do this? Yeah, I I would just cite it. For example, is that、uh, Microsoft, right? They have this embracing the red culture. I think、uh, even though I did not do the primary search with them, but I think the VAR practice, when Santia took over and decided that they actually really need to focus on the other part of the equation, not only success but also the problems, the failure. I think that's actually very powerful to see that、uh, Microsoft, as such a giant corporate, they were able to actually leverage all levels. To embrace the concept, I think that's a、uh, very inspiring. And in my actually personal experiences, I think is a I can cite some of the specific、uh, team, including some specific team in the hospital, and also some aviation pilot cockpit training I have done. And the good news is that、uh, those type of teaming and、uh, embracing failure skills can be developed. 
and we just need actually some more intentional. For example, I can highlight that if you think about the aviation pilots, the reason that their performance is still so reliable, luckily, knock the wood, despite the near misses, is that they actually they train the pilot right constantly. And it's a part of the DNA. And when we actually also get uh, involved in their cockpit cruise resource management, and we're not actually there as particularly for me as an organization scholar, I was there, I was more helping them to identify what communication patterns really help them to deal with a crisis, to deal with mistake, we actually indeed recognize that uh, that training and sometimes even intentionally switch the role. For example, the leader becomes the first officer and the first officer become the leader or captain. And uh, that perspective taking becomes also very powerful. And we were very actually pleased to see that, you know, through those intentional effort, being more engaged in the humble inquiries and uh, being more willing to actually reflect either is, you know, before the training session or, or the actual work session, or particularly after the work session, there are all actually powerful tools there. Do you think these examples in particular that one you've given there, the the role switching example, the way in which a captain becoming a first a first officer and a first officer becoming a captain can change people's perspective on failure and how to deal with it. Do you think those translate to other industries? I would actually very excited to say yes. And uh, there is this concept that sometimes called a dynamic uh, delegation. I think is a you know, among organizational scholars by Catherine Klein, and uh, she's a professor at Wharton. And uh, I actually read the article. I found this very empowering to realize this a little bit similar concept. So, which means that uh, in some critical moments, is that uh, some people do not have, uh, or team players do not have the formal authorities, can actually take the lead in that moment because they have a good idea, they have a good suggestion, and because maybe they also, for some of the area domain, is most relevant to solve the problem. And then it takes two to tangle as well, right? So there will need to be, it takes two to tangle. So the team members feel empowered and are willing to come forward with their suggestions. Sometimes even is less thought, well thought out or half-baked ideas. But then the other tango partner is the leader. They need to be actually willing and uh, open enough to give away the authority in that actually heated moment. That's why I think uh, last episode we also mentioned that maintaining that humility is very important because in those moments we as a leader maybe recognize there will be some other people more suited to actually guide and then to explore. You're talking about recognizing the correct person to guide, to explore, finding a person who maybe isn't the leader within a team to solve a problem of failure. Is there any way that uh, teams can kind of institutionalize this approach, can formalize that, make sure that they're always landing on the right person? Yeah, this is, this is an 
excellent point. You know, one actually recommendation for organization is that,、uh, especially after we actually get out of the COVID era, and we really talk about whether reskill and upskill for the talents. Yes, I think that those are very important nowadays. And still, implicitly, a lot of times we're talking about、uh, hard skills, right? Either is、uh, some sp- specific domain skills and some, like you know, technical skills. But it's also, I think,、uh, we, I personally recommend、uh, organization, particular leaders, to invest in the teaming skills, make it more regular of the agenda, how to build up your team. And in fact, there is a lot of a golden mem- moment we can do. For example, before the projects meeting, make it more intentional huddling time. Last golden moment, we actually can actually do some checking. We can build that,、uh, you know, interactions, and then the conversation probably in the meeting can flow better because people feel they can come forward with ideas. And also, we do a little bit more intentional, you know, after action review type of reflection. And、uh, this actually, all this nugget can be intentionally built into a different、uh, setup in organizations. But I highly recommend organization to take actions on. You know, team building is never actually one time thing. Actually, it's an ongoing process, and sees every actually golden moment to actually bring those moments to life. Is there a role for data? In any of these processes, I'm struck that I'm struck by the fact that、uh, both in hospitals and on navy ships, but in in several of the examples of use, Microsoft certainly, data is going to be very important within those organisations. How much is the collection of data and then the you know correct usage of it? Keys to understanding failures and then learning from them. Yeah, actually, I indeed think data is very important, and、uh, I actually. Mention a few things I personally have done, and also what I learned from you know behavior scientists. I think the good news is that data indeed can inform our reflection and the decision and the responses. For example, I think the reason I was brought into the aviation or hospital settings, and I actually personally observe them their interactions, and also I sometimes audio or video. Tape their data, and then we run through those data, and、uh, depends on specific、uh, goal of using that data. Some, for example, when I actually try to really help the airline to identify their behavior communication patterns, we actually go through painstaking effort, coded every two second, and see what type of actually. Conversation they have, what type of tone, what type of behavior associated with that, and then we identify. In you know, depends on the situation. Some is more participated, open-ended questions is more inviting, and that actually help their performance. In some critical moment, we really need a. The leaders to take a charge, and then to really have a bit more top-down. Approach to make decisions, and we are able to tease out those nuances and provide a very powerful evidence. So I think the data is absolutely important, and then that also explains right nowadays a lot of the in the tech industry they hire actually the behavior scientists and the data scientists to help them 
to detect the pattern and to make informed decision for them. And uh, I think it's an exciting era for us because now we talk about uh, deep machine learning, big data, and now particularly when we talk about the AI, there are so many actually tools we can take advantage and use those actual data pattern to really reflect and guide our next responses and the training. One caveat I only want to put out there is that do challenge our dis, you know, assumptions because we know that you know when we have a hammer, everything is the nail. So the leaders still play such an important role because uh, sometimes maybe we started with the wrong assumption and then the data owning support our confirmation bias. So this is the one thing I put out there, why leaders, why leaders need to engage the teams to counter all this actually potentially natural but unproductive tendency we would have. Joka, AI, machine learning, and uh, making sure that we don't rely on them too much are, are great places to stop. I think we should look into that a lot more in uh, episode four which will be our final episode together but before we uh, leave off today i'd just like to say once more thank you so much for coming on the show thank you so much jiang Zhou, and uh, thanks for this opportunity and uh, just as a reminder to listeners jerko lei is a professor of leadership and organizational behavior at imd if you want to learn anything more about her courses her work her research or imd in general just go to imd.org see you next time